You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Hey everyone, welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Tether, the world's best saddle hunting equipment. We have a good one for you all this week. Josh Dutton joins us on this week's show, and over the last few seasons, there have been a few staple pieces of gear that have always been in my bag all year long, and those are coming from Half Rack, and Josh tells a really fun story about how Half Rack got its name and really came about, but however, this episode is a lot more about Josh than it is about Half Rack. And he's from Wisconsin, an avid bow hunter, loves going out for whitetails. And we begin this conversation by catching up and chatting a little bit about how awesome the state of Montana is. And we quickly transition to talking about whitetails. And Josh shares some of his key factors that really has helped him develop into the hunter he is today. And we dive into traditions, being that he's from Wisconsin and you know, obviously here from, from Pennsylvania. So we talk about how both of our fathers played a role in who we are today as hunters and just a fun conversation here. And we wrap things up with Josh mapping out his yearly planning process when it comes to hunting from right now, getting his hunts lined up, doing his scouting, land management, and making sure to get a ton of time behind the bow. And Really enjoyed this conversation, really enjoyed this episode, and looking forward to having Josh on again in the near future to talk about all the hammers that he's uh, really put down. So enjoy this fun episode. And real quick before we dive into the episode, though, I want to mention a few things regarding some of my favorite gear that I use. And we have two exclusive podcast codes for you to save money on, and those two codes are for America's Best Bowstrings and Shea Butler Knives. Shea's been releasing new blades recently using code antlerup25 will save you 25% off the whitetail knife, the reverence knife, and the new hostile knife. Great, great quality. I have the whitetail blade and I have the reference in hand. Phenomenal products. I've had his rhino folder knife. I've used his uh, feather light also in the past. Just great, great quality knives. Best out there that you could get. So use code antlerup25 and you'll save 25% off an amazing amazing price so for america's best bowstrings if you use code antler up you'll save ten dollars off your order and right now is the time to get your custom string order in because you'll have them for total archery challenge mountain archery fest whatever but also you'll get them to your door within like 10 to 12 days like now's the time that way you don't have to wait and also tether just released their brand new m2 vest that they worked with the hunting public on for the last two years this m2 vest is extremely modular and from what i see it is more than just a turkey vest it can be great for saddle hunting it could be great for just on the using it on the ground i'm thinking what a 
what a utility piece it will be during rifle season here in Pennsylvania. So made right here in the USA. So check it out over at tethernation.com. And one more piece since we're out scouting now, getting ready for trail cameras. You know, I've used Exodus trail cameras for over the last three years. I have two treks and I have one of their uh, high-end cam cell camera, the Render. They've all worked flawlessly, have zero issues. And if you do have any issues, they got great customer service that they'll take care of you. Well, recently they just released their budget price cell camera in the Rival. Same great quality, same great features, but lighter on your wallet. So check them out over at exodusoutdoorgear.com. That's it, everybody, that I have for this week. Get out there scouting. Get ready for turkey season. Make sure you're still shooting your bow, all that stuff. And we'll see you next week when we do a live episode, I think, with Andrew Mills. Uh, we'll not sure if it'll be released next week or, or what, but we got a few others that we're going to be coming out here soon. Really appreciate the support. See you next week, Antler Up. What's up, everybody? We're back. We're live for a new episode of the Antler Up podcast. On the other side of, of the uh, computer tonight, we have Josh Dutton. Josh, welcome to the show, dude. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it, man. It was funny because um, I'm sure you've gotten this now a lot over the last like two plus years of the whole like Yellowstone stuff and, and Dutton. Um, and, and this is my way of like, I guess, cracking the ice a little bit. My wife and I were chatting today and she goes, oh, you have a podcast? And I said, yeah, I got Josh on from Half Rack. She's like, oh, great, cool. She goes, what's, you know, what's his last name? I said, Dutton. And, and she goes, you're going to call him John about five times. I guarantee it. During that podcast. I was yeah. like, nope, that's my goal. I was like, I plan on not calling him John during it at whatsoever. So uh, I feel like it's almost everyone's icebreaker now. And I first get to meet him there yeah. like, Hey, you watch Yellowstone. I'm like, I actually do. I yeah. enjoy Yellowstone yeah. too. So I do too. I'm, Have you ever been to Montana? I have been to Montana. I've uh, not been too deep into Montana. I've been on the western side of the state, so okay. I spent like maybe a day or two there. Not not too much time. I haven't hunted it. I would love to hunt it. Yeah, I would love to hunt it. I feel like that is like the mecca of all outdoorsmen, just because you have everything there. You you name it. Uh, this past summer, when I was out there with Tethered for the TAC event, uh, we went. So that was I think the end of July. I, man, dude, it was unbelievable. First time there. So we just went to big sky. So I don't really know area at all whatsoever. And that evening before other people arrived, me and one of the kids, I was actually on the tagged out tour, uh, Spoonie, we ended up going, he's a big fisherman and I, I, I like fishing, but I wasn't going to go to Walmart to go buy a fishing rod or anything like that. So right. he went, bought one. We go down to the right where our our Airbnb was, it's pretty close, obviously to the connecting of the resort. And man, I'm, we're just, he's f fishing. I'm just kind of moseying my way around, looking at the, every, the scenery basically. And all of a sudden I hear something coming behind me and there's these two big <laughs> mule deer, you know, in the summer, man, they don't care. Right. Just like all no. these, just like whitetails where we, where we are from, they could care less during the summer months. Dude, I got to like three yards to, to me, I would, oh my gosh, I would have, you know, been flipping crazy if I would have had the opportunity to hunt or kill one of those, either one of them, but dude, three, four yards, I could hear it like chewing on the cud. And, um, yeah. it was, it was really, really cool. And yeah, I, I mean, you name it, they have a mule deer, elk, whitetail in certain parts of the state. And yeah, I would definitely, definitely live there for sure. Well, they had some like outstanding whitetail hunting for years and years and years. I think blue tongue took the numbers down quite a bit on the whitetail side of things. But like, I remember like, so I was that junkie that would go out and buy the monster buck videos, like 
the minute that they were released. Yeah. You know, I'd go up to at the time Gander Mountain and go and buy them. And I remember like knowing what Montana had for whitetail just from that, like the Milk River, like in that little basin, and the deer that they had coming out of there. It was just something that I, mean, I, asked, I always wanted to try to do that. Yeah, but yeah, that was like I said, first time there, <laughs> seeing that scenery. Man, I was just blown away. I'd definitely an area that I would go back to for sure and maybe try to hunt elk one day. I don't know. I'm not sure totally. I'm not a big points guy. I don't know the ins and outs when it comes to that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I rely on my buddies to be like, Hey, put in for a point for this. Maybe we could go out in a year or two or something yep. like that. But I'm, I'm not a diehard to, for that. I would li- I'd rather, I am like that when it comes to my points for Iowa and points yeah. in Kansas, like the whitetail side of things. But when it gets to the, some of the Western game, man, I'm, I'm kind of out of it. You can get pretty consumed by it. I remember probably four or five years now, we were doing our research to try to find uh, an elk unit in Colorado. And I had like 16 spreadsheets. I had pivot tables. <laughs> I had all kinds of different things trying to figure out like what unit was actually open to it and had an opportunity to kill, you know, your highest success rate with, you know, ease of drawing a tag. Plus then you try to layer in like bigger bulls and there's different areas of the country that have bigger bulls or different units in Colorado. So you can get lost in it pretty quick on the point system thing, but I'm with you. Typically I'm uh, I let somebody who's been out there a couple times tell me, you know, Hey, this is the unit you need to apply for. And yeah. that's, I tend, I generally take their direction. Luckily for me and a couple other friends of mine, we have two really good friends, uh, uh, Tim Seesock and Tom Run Scavage, uh, both of those good good friends of mine have done out of state hunts with both of those uh, two individuals. They are the guys that have on your side when it comes to that. They're the ones that have the spreadsheets and how many points and their their odds to draw all that stuff. So yeah, it's it's nice when you definitely have those individuals on your side to help you out with that. I haven't messed around with it, but I think I think it's Onyx has now a uh like a layering like a, on their maps system mm. where you can see that they have draw odds and stuff on it so wow i think the game's gotten a little easier it's yeah. not like it used to be like you'd have to print it off and like highlight and mainly key in and like do all this kind of other stuff but i think they're making it a little bit easier just like everything else with technology and those app-based scouting tools that are out there dude another thing with all that stuff though is how expensive it's getting like it's I mean, if you want to apply for multiple states and multiple different species, dude, it, I'm, I'm sure it, it creeps up on people pretty good. Yeah. I See, I've got mixed emotions about it. I like the fact that it's like, you know, obtainable, right? So there's yep. some states where you literally, it's 50 bucks for the app and you put it in. If you get drawn, then it's whatever the license cost is. And I think Colorado used to, and I could be wrong, and you'll probably find out if I am. I'm sure people will blow me up on (laughs) all your social media. But I think Colorado changed a couple of years ago where you only have to pay a set amount that's not the full license amount. And I think what happened is they got a ton of applications because of that. So it kind of is like a double-edged sword because you had – I mean, it's a commitment. Financially, you're putting up like 600 bucks for, uh, you know, an elk tag or whatever. And it gets reimbursed besides like the 25 or 30 bucks if you don't draw. Um, but now I think it's only you have to put in for the app. And then if F you get drawn, then you have to pay the full license amount, which I kind of I liked it before because I felt like it, even if it was just in my mind, it kept some of the people out that weren't yeah. maybe, you know, willing yeah. to make that commitment like I was. Yeah. But <laughs> I, it, it's, you know, it's, the more access and the more people that can get out and experience because the Western states are just totally different. I'm a 
diehard whitetail hunter and um you know i prefer i do that that's my bread and butter but man getting me out west i you love chasing those big game animals out there heck yeah man well let's dive into a little bit about that josh so you know tell us obviously i know like i mentioned our earlier working for half rack but you know what is your story what is your uh i guess you know your upbringing like you said kind of bread and butter did you grow up hunting doing all that type of stuff yeah i so i live in wisconsin grew okay. up in wisconsin uh pretty much just spent my entire life here um my family was always big into archery hunting uh, by, you know, some of my best and earliest memories are going up to, um, private or public land up in the middle of Wisconsin, uh, and having, <laughs> watching my dad and my uncles and cousins go out. And I mean, they were just tickled to see a deer. I mean, yeah. if they got one, it was a big deal. <laughs> uh, and it was big woods hunting. I mean, it's really, really big woods. You know, it's like a lot of the state property is up in Northern Wisconsin. Uh, it's hard to try and find deer even still today, you know, and I, can't say I'm like the most accomplished whitetail hunter. I've had some success. It's still hard, you know, to go out there and try to find a, an animal to kill. It's not as it's it's not easy, but that's what kind of got me started in all of it. And, um, you know, my family has always in one way or another kind of been in the garbage industry. Uh, my brother still does. He owns his own uh, special waste company. And uh, my dad managed and worked in landfill as my grandfather did at my uncle. Like it's just kind of, that was the thing we did. Okay. And uh, I was probably like 12 years old or something like that. And I had a friend who's still a mentor to this day and he works in the industry. Uh, Marty Fry, he, uh, we went to church with him and I remember like one time he's just like, so he worked for a distributor at the time in sporting goods. All he did was hunting, fishing stuff. And he invited me up to their office and they had like a sample sale. So at the end of the year, they would get rid of like all the samples that they had. Well, like to 12 year old me, like going in there, it was like, it was like a candy shop. I mean, all it was was hunting and fishing stuff. Right. 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 And I'd fill up a box and the guy's like, yeah, 10 bucks of all, like literally everything you wanted. So, and I spent that day with them and kind of saw like what it was about, like the marketing aspect of things and the sales aspect of things. And like, literally from that day, I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find a way to work in the outdoor industry. So literally I I've tried to do anything and everything I could to get into that industry. And Marty would saying again, he's the one that helped me kind of get into it. And, uh, my first job out of college was, working, uh, for a company in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And I lived up there for about a year and it was, uh, due North and they had the NRA licensed camo line at the time. So I was like a junior rep and just, you know, slinging product and trying to get placement and stuff like that. And, uh, I was there for about a year and I ended up taking a job with that same distributor that I did, the the whole little sample sale thing with yeah. uh, a year later. So I worked for them for, probably 10 years and uh just have always been in the outdoor industry i just kind of committed to it when i was young and said i'm gonna find a way to do this um you know half rack actually started as something like that i was more on the content side like i was like i really wanted to do this like i was telling you earlier before i think you were recording like i was that guy that lined up to go get i don't know that there was ever any lines to get monster bucks (laughs) but I, i would you know the first couple you know weeks that it would come out i would go out there and like save up my money and go buy I think it was DVDs. I don't think I was, I'm not going to age myself that much. I think I was buying DVDs at the time and I would buy the monster buck videos and the Primos videos, the truth about hunting series and 
um, all that. And I would literally just sit there and watch them like yeah. crazy. Yeah. So uh, me and a couple of friends in high school kind of wanted to start doing that. Right. So we had our like old crappy camera that I'm sure my dad, like, <laughs> you know, was like, go have fun with it, do what you need to do with it. And we started trying to film hunts and stuff. And we kind of came up with our own little hunt club and we called it half rack. We had hats and shirts made. And I, I went as far as to get an LLC for it when I was like 18 years old, even. So I started in that element of things and half rack kind of went away and I'm still friends with a lot of those guys still hunt with a lot of them. Um, and then, you know, fast forward 20 years or whatever it was, 15 years and uh, a couple of other friends, TJ, who yep. I think, you know, pretty yep. well. And one other partner we have, um, we just had this opportunity kind of come up and we really had the, with half rack, we really had the, skews and the items already kind of developed we knew what we wanted to do we just didn't have a name for it and uh, i was like well i had this name back in the day and i'm like i can you know half racks the name and teachers like that's it i love it and like that night i remember him like sending me some doodles of like some of the logos and 20 you know 20 minutes later we had the brand we had the logo we had everything from there so and that kind of launched us to where we're at today three years later Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. Almost four. That is so freaking cool, man. That is like so awesome to think that a dream that you have when you're 18 years old with your buddies. And then, like you said, fast forward 15, 20 years ago, here it is. And you know, how ironic too, that you're, you know, here you are working in an industry now from you know many years and you're like, Hey, I have an idea. Dude, that is so wild. I love that yeah. story. It's a fun story. I like to tell it. And they actually, thank you for asking. Cause it's like one of the things we do some podcasts now and then. And we, I don't think I've ever actually gotten into the detail of like how it actually started, Yeah, but that's, that's how it started. So dude, I love that. Like, cause when you see these brands and these companies and you wonder what, um, what goes into their logo, what goes into their, their brand name, all that stuff. Cause kind of even antler up, you know, I think what, it's funny when I talk to certain individuals and they're like, Hey, antlers up and they're throwing an S on it. They're, you know, just totally opposite. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, when I started it, I don't know. I, my daughter at that time, she was like six, like five going on six type of ordeal. She was really into surfing, like watching Bethany Hamilton stuff, yeah. and like all this stuff. And, I don't know. I just kind of was like antler up, like surfs up, like, you know, and my buddy, uh, Jim, who does stuff with me here with, with antler up. And I was like, what does it mean to you? And he's like, man, it's like poker. Like, you know, you got to ante up, it's antler up, got to get in there and do it. I was like, that's what it means to me too, man. It's just have fun with it and, and get, you know, go for it basically. And all that stuff. So it's, it's just neat to hear that you had that. And we're doing that with friends when you're 18, like that story, that hits home, man. Like that just, yeah. it's, it's so cool to see that come to, uh, to life basically. Yeah. We've tried to grow the brand around that too. I mean, we've tried to stay pretty close to our roots. I mean, I, some of the product names that we have for half rack are literally places that I've hunted or people on the team have hunted. Like yeah. we name product after some of the spots and some of the towns and now we're probably giving some stuff away, <laughs> uh, but you still got to find the state. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, there's like, we, we, you know, we kind of stuck to that and we really are, you know, we've tried to 
develop the company as being one that's like for people like us, like, yep. you know, people that are just, we like to hunt and we like to go out and have a good time with it and we're conservation based. And we try to make an affordable product, but also a quality product so that, you know, we want it to be like an all-inclusive spot. So, yep. you know, the way that we talk about it in our meetings and stuff is we want the guy that's wearing the Walmart knockoff camel brand. And we also want that Sitka guy. Like we want them all in the same spot where they can, you know, utilize the accessories that everyone uses, but nobody really knows what that brand is. I mean, and you can ask most people be like, Hey, you know, where do you get your little gear hook? Like who makes that? And mm-hmm. Bet you 90% of the people you ask be like, I don't know. I just bought it from wherever. Right. Well, we're trying to be the answer to that and be like, Oh no, it's half rack. You know, there's, it's, it's, you know, something like we've always said is like, we want to be a brand with a soul. We want to create a community. We want people to you know have a brand to cheer for basically. Yeah. So and uh, we've tried to develop half rack to be that, uh, that brand. I'll tell you what though, real quick, just a short, you know, product plug. My dad has stolen both of my, uh, bow hangers because on our private property that we have here in Pennsylvania, he set up his two kind of his core areas and he stole both of them because he's like, he used to love the old school real tree one. And I don't know if they made some type of adjustment to it, but yeah, he's, he took my two and he was like, I'm taking them. I'm using them. I'm like, go for it, dad. This is, you know, it's just cool because that is the one person that I have no problem lending things and doing things for. Like I love now when it comes to holidays and birthdays, because I would love to spoil them just because of, you know, I have that opportunity of working and doing that because he did a lot for me. And um, just because too, where our relationship was growing up to where there was a disconnect for such a long time. And then, Mm. you know, the last 11 years of when I kind of after graduating college and we started going back to hunting together and life slowed down for me. It's just, I don't know. So that's my favorite piece now. So I'm like, yep, go for it, man. You, you could take them and, and have I, fun with it. I totally relate to that. Yeah. I totally relate to it. I mean, we, I, I had a great upbringing, like, yeah. you know, but we weren't rich by any means. Right. I mean, we were, you know, we were scraping by too. I didn't know it. I guess that's a, yep. that's you know something to credit my family for my parents for, because, you know, I thought it was just like how everyone lived, you know? And, but like, we cherished the hunting stuff that we had, like the little bit that we would get that would be new, man, you kept good care of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, there was a lot of hand-me-downs and stuff like that. And so now that I can, you know, hunting products come a little bit easier to come by nowadays. (laughs) I can, uh, I can hook my dad up with some of that fun stuff and get him hooked up with the, you know, the nicer bows and the nicer arrows and the nicer camo and, of course the, you know, the accessories and stuff, but we'll, uh, we'll get plenty of, of uh, bow holders for you, bow oh, wings yeah. for you and your dad. Yep. So well, you, you know, a guy. Yeah. 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 But, well, and what's really cool is, uh, man, I think it was when you guys just started getting product out, I, I did a, I bought some product and had my daughter open up the box and mm-hmm. we did like a little fi- uh, Instagram thing. And, you know, she's cause I got her a rifle that year and cause it was the first year that she was able to get a, a mentor license. So I, geared her out when in some half rack stuff we got her the orange vest so she's all she's she's dressed head to toe in some half rack stuff too so which awesome, is, yeah it's it's really neat and like you said it's it's good for anybody you know you, you need those accessories and that's exactly what it's for uh is is for that and it's affordable which is great but we'll 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 get into product and stuff josh yeah. and, you know one thing that and i loved your upbringing of of hearing that story because i think you know i know you 
people listen to podcasts and it has the ability to, hey, tell us who you are, where you come from. We do all have these different stories uh, and there's a lot of similar uh, stories to them with that. So I like that. That was really good. And one thing that I want to ask, and I've gotten away from it for the last couple episodes, actually for a while now, but when you look at that baseball card, right, or you you pull up a video game and, and you're you're going, you're selecting your character of who you want to fight with or whatever, if it's a fighting game, and you could pick that one or two, you know, power boosts or superpowers or anything along those lines. And you were saying about whitetail being your bread and butter. You know, what in that whitetail whitetail world would you say is that key attribute that you feel very confident? I've got this down pat. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I want to meet someone who's got it down. Pat. Dude, how about it? Me too. <laughs> the, the second you think you got them things figured out, man, they will, Yep. they bob and weave and you can, yeah, you can think that you become the master of that game and you yep. never are. Right. Uh, you know, I think, or maybe like, me, yeah, I was going to say like either explain that or even maybe explain like your favorite things that you love in the whitetail woods, even the, to your tactics that you like. Doing. Yeah. I think there's like a progression and I, gosh, I, I wish I knew who the author was, but it kind of said like there's stages to a whitetail hunter mm-hmm. where you start out and you just want to kill one. Like you just literally want to try to shoot one. I went through that. It was like, I think I hunted from like 12 to 16 and shot and missed at a lot of deer, probably one of the biggest bucks of my life. <laughs> I had a shot at and missed at like 13 or 14. And I, so that's a real thing. So, and I understand like when new people are getting into it, especially like late onset hunters or whatever, they have to start out a little bit later. That's the thing. It's hard. And I think what I've liked and what I've seen now in our industry is a little bit is like, we're moving away from the 200 inch deer. I think more people are like, Hey, enjoy it. Like whatever you consider is your trophy. However you want to fill your tag, you fill your tag. That's going to make you happy. If that deer makes your heartbeat, that's good for you. And everyone brings that person up. Right. So, you know, for me, I think it's just the stages. You kind of go through it and, you know, I was in that same stage, just wanted to kill one. And then it got to the stage where I wanted to kill as many as I could. And I just, you know, got to want to stack up deer. And then it went to like wanting to shoot mature deer, like a mature deer. And now I'm kind of at the stage of like last year, I only hunted literally in Wisconsin. There was one buck that I was going to really want to put my tag on and I didn't kill him. So he beat me, you know, and yep. he's beaten me for the last six years. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, it's to, to me, I think, you know, I, what I like is just being out there and everything slows down and just like the mornings when they're nice, crisp, like October morning and you can hear nature wake up and you're the first one out there and you start to hear that first bird go. And, you know, like all of that is, it's just like, a like it, it's my way of resetting and refreshing myself and like just kind of cleansing all the busyness that goes on in life. And I've gotten to the point now where I used to put like a tremendous amount of pressure on me to like, I had to get it done like this day or that day. And it it's gotten a little bit easier because I can, you know, I have the, the luxury now it's flat out a luxury. I, if I want, if I, you know, want to go hunting on a Tuesday morning, I can go hunting on a Tuesday morning where, you know, you didn't have that. I didn't have that earlier in life where I had to get something done on a weekend. So it's a little bit different in that respect, but it's, you know, more of a, just enjoying the process than the actual harvest. And I've allowed myself to kind of realize that instead of putting all that kind of pressure on me to be like, Hey, I got to get a, you know, I got to get a buck down. Now I say that now, March, whatever, what is it? The <laughs> seventh. Yeah. If it's November 8th or 9th, I'm probably not going to give you yeah. that answer. I'm yeah. probably getting a little more nervous about, you know, 
wanting to see something, you know, or get my tag on something. But, uh, yeah, I would say just the slowing down of the process and learning to enjoy it, like, and just, you know, um, the chase itself is more appealing to me now and the ambiance and sharing camp with friends and having people to do it with. Um, I really enjoy that. I'm still kind of a solo guy. Like I go out by myself, I get mildly annoyed when there's camera people and like, you have to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And cause it's just, it makes it difficult. And luckily I don't have to do that that much, but like that does make it harder. Uh, you know, and I've learned more now to, just enjoy it. Like the times that I get to hunt with my dad or my brother. Cause I know that those days are, you know, you yeah. never know. Right. And, uh, like, I don't know, over the last couple of falls, I've just taken more time to like kind of enjoy it. My dad barely hunts. I mean, he gets up and you know, he'll, yeah, I would go sit in this stand and then he goes back to bed or whatever, or he'll <laughs> hunt until like prime time. And then he gets down when it's like, you know, prime time. Cause it's too dark or whatever. And, but he likes to be the camp guy. Right. So yeah. he's back at the shed and he's like, Hey, what'd you see? You know, all this kind of stuff. So, and, uh, I mean, it used to kind of annoy me a little bit, but now I'm just like, Hey, that's, you know, that's what he likes to do. And it's stuff that I'll always remember about him. So I, you know, it's the process and just enjoyment of it. And, you know, you learn the more time you spend out there. Like the thing that I would say, like if the, for somebody who's just getting started into whitetail hunting is be in the woods. Yeah. Like, and just the more time you get watching animals and understanding movement and like understanding why you saw deer move, um, and correlating that with like weather or, you know, rut activity or stuff, it starts to click the more you're just out there and you understand what those prime days look like and feel like, and you can kind of start to recognize them before they happen. Um, and you know, that's just something that takes time and just understanding and learning and, and, you know, playing the wind is a huge thing. I think there's, it depends on what you want to do again. Like, again, if there's people out there that are just looking to fill their tag and, you know, they want to, they're happy with a, you know, a spike buck or a four point buck, you know, God bless you. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. And I'll be the first one to high five you. Yep. Um, but they are also the dumbest deer in the woods and they're <laughs> not that they're not that difficult to kill. Like a, you know, a like a younger yep. uh, buck is pretty darn easy. So and not, you got to have them, but I'm not trying to diminish anybody by any means, but right, right. Um, you know, once you kind of get that and understand that you can learn from it, but you kind of want to move on to, you're like, okay, you know, yeah. I've, I've can kill that deer. Like in your head, you don't have to actually execute the shot. You're like, I know I could yeah. you take won, that deer you, if I you, wanted to kill that right. deer. You, you won that battle amongst you and that whitetail. Yeah. And that's kind of how I think of it. Like, yep, you're, you know, and I practice drawing on deer. I think that's another good thing that people, you know, spend a lot of time, like don't spend enough time shooting deer, like yeah. especially archery equipment. Right. So I'm a bow hunter, pretty hardcore. Same here. Like I gun hunt, but I gun hunt for the family element of it all. And I like to get together. I like to play cards. I like to drink with the guys and of late, like now, like it's something that I I have two girls that they can do. This was the first year that I took them out and they sat out there and my brother has two boys and you know, they're not yet interested, but they will be hopefully sooner and later. And so, you know, it's changed. Even that's changed. I mean, so it's like more like trying to get the kids involved with it, which I do enjoy, but at my, soul my soul is bow hunting yeah so i prefer to be out there chasing with the with the bow i'll tell you what man 
amen to, to everything you said. And, and the one key thing that you said, and I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure I, I elaborate on it because it is the one thing that I fell victim to. And I think a lot of hunters uh, fall victim to is to is you said, be in the woods. Right. And, and prior to that, you know, go through those experience. And then you also said prior to that about slowing things down and you need to do the, both of those things at that at that time, right? I know that's kind of probably what you're getting at and saying, but man, I think a lot of people, what I did in the past was I'm in the woods to be, okay, I, I got to get it done, right? Like I'm hunting, I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. hunting, I'm hunting, I'm hunting, I'm hunting. I got to kill, I got to kill, I got to kill. And if you don't maybe start, and I'm not saying you have to write down, oh, I saw a buck sighting, oh, I saw a deer, but slow it down, see why, you know, see how your wind's going. And just like you said, build up that resume, right? B- build up your attributes, your woodsmanship, because like I said, I, I know for a fact within the last, you know, three, four years of starting Antler Up and doing all this stuff, you know, you get suckered into that. Like, I got to produce, I got to do, like, who do I got to produce mm-hmm. for? Like, I'm just, just from, you know, just to yep. say I did that, you know, and that sucked. And like you said, I, even though I did not kill a buck this last year, this was a great learning year. I took a lot in, I got in on a lot of mature deer. I did not mm-hmm. have just, I did, I just didn't have that opportunity. Like, could I have slipped a, a 45 yard bomb in the big te- in the big woods on the mountains of PA out of the biggest buck I've ever seen. Yeah. But why I didn't, wasn't taking that chance. Yeah. I wasn't confident enough to do that. And it would have been a very tight squeeze. So, you know, there's things like that. So if you're in the woods and you're going through that, you're learning, slow that down and really like take, take it in exactly what Josh said. And then to another thing that I want to kind of talk, you said an October morning. Ooh, those are like, uh, that, that speech right there amongst, depending on who you're talking to is like the end all be all don't do it, you know? Uh, (laughs) So, so, so go ahead and maybe elaborate on that because (laughs) man, I'll tell you what, like you said, you had the luxury, right? If you want to go out on a Tuesday morning because the weather looks great, you know, some people don't, I want to get out as a school teacher. I'm not, I'm very like, man, I don't know how many days these kids have off, but then as mm-hmm. a teacher, I have in service. I have to go during yeah. these end of October 28th, 29th, like the days when it's just about getting really good. So, you know, I have to rely on those Saturdays. Yeah. And here in Pennsylvania, we don't have Sundays, right? Yeah, so that's such a yeah, it's crock of shit. But yeah. <laughs> but you know, when you so what is your maybe you know, growing up or things that you've developed over the years of, you know, I don't know, the, the October mornings and things that you prefer of maybe things that you've gone through. Like, uh, and that was actually a question that I have was like, you know, like what are maybe things that you've experienced like trends and not necessarily trends in gear or things like that, but just things that you've noticed in the woods. So again, I do it for enjoyment too. And like, I like, so if you ask me like, what is my favorite day to hunt? I would say November 2nd. What's your, what's your second favorite, favorite day would be October 31st. So like I, that last week of October, I've had a lot of luck. And if you can get a good cold front that's pushing through, I, I would really like those. I really like those mornings. I typically don't hunt mornings during the early season. So unless I've, I've kind of moved in and saddles have kind of changed a little bit of the way that I hunt too, where, uh, you know, you can get a little bit more after them and you're okay. more on the offense and you are like, not to say like, you know, tree stand hunting is like where you're playing defense, but you, I feel like it's just way more, uh, you can be way more aggressive if, 
you have a saddle because you can get in tight on places and there's like if depending on what you're of course trying to harvest mm-hmm. if you're trying to harvest a deer and you just want a doe or a smaller buck you should be hunting every october morning like mm-hmm. if you hunt them on you know bed to feed patterns you're you know you can shoot a doe you can shoot like it doesn't matter you know you're gonna see them if the weather's right and you catch them and you know it's not um terrible hot or whatever right you can shoot a you can shoot a deer in october or september um it's to me just it seems like if you got the right conditions that come together and you can move in on a deer and you've got like really good intel that that deer's in that area whether that's you know on foot scouting or you're getting your trail cameras especially now with like trail cameras that are sending you you know live basically information (laughs) uh which that's a whole story too in itself um but you can get some good intel to be like, Hey, I'm going to move in on this guy, you know, and the best way for me to slip in too. And I think that's something that not a lot of people talk enough about is entry and exit. Yep. And if it's easier for you, I've got one farm that's easier for me to get in for morning hunts. Cause it's just easier. I've got the cover of darkness. I don't have any issues. I can get in there without bumping any deer. And it's not as easy to hunt at night because the deer come back out in the fields and it's hard for me to get off of that at night. So for me, it's just, it's a better spot to hunt in the morning. It's set up better for me to get in and out and I'm not bumping a bunch of deer. And that to me is a big deal too. Like I really spend a lot of time thinking about how I get in and out of a property without, you know, I'm trying to be as light impact as possible. So, but yeah, I would say, you know, October mornings are, you know, the number one reason is because the conditions are usually pretty nice. Like you can go out there and it's, you know, it's brisk. It's like, you know, 40 degrees out or 50 degrees out. So you're not freezing. It's not like that late December hunt where you've got, you know, 15 layers on and your feet are, you know, frozen (laughs) and it's, it's just comfortable, you know? And if you're out there like to enjoy it and spend the time out there, I mean, the colors are beautiful. It's awesome to be out there that time of year. And that's just one of those times that, you know, when I think of deer hunting, I always just think of, you know, late October, early November, which I think most people think of early November, but I definitely, I'm not, I'm not a guy that's going to sit here and say, you do, you should hunt in October. You definitely should hunt in October. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I will second what you said. I love, like you said, the colors, just everything about those October mornings too, just seeing the sun come up. It's, it's very relatable to the Turkey woods, right? When, when the spring and it's starting to green up, it's, it's a whole different feel, especially you got the green coming up in the spring. And then obviously when it's those oranges and yellows and reds and everything in the fall, it's just something magical, man. And you just know, uh, like you just hear when the deer was and then mm-hmm. that first gobble in the morning in the spring, just hammering down. It's, it's good times. And then, Man, this is getting me fun. This is getting exciting for for uh, hunting season. So, uh, the spring turkey hunting is actually I feel that probably more turkey hunting because I think you're pinned up. Like for me anyway, living yep. in Wisconsin, we're supposed to get another snowstorm on Friday. So like uh, you just get sick of it, right? Yep. You're done with the winter. You're done with being inside. You're done with being cold. <laughs> so the first time you go out and you're actually able to sit outside and be back outside without freezing and you yep. that first gobble. Yeah. To me, that's, you can't beat it. Like I, it's, I just as much love turkey hunting. Um, I, I mean, I'm a deer guy first. I feel like I get asked that question a lot, but the, you know, if someone was like to say, Hey, you had to pick one, it would be a real hard decision. It would undoubtedly be deer hunting. I would pick <laughs> whitetail hunting hands down, you know, yep. no questions asked, but I do love to turkey hunt. Heck yeah, man. Well, 
What, uh, tell us, I guess, a little bit about the traditions that maybe your family has had, like you said about camp and your dad and your brother and everything <laughs> like that, just because coming from Pennsylvania myself, same thing, grew up, you know, really in that traditional, you know, orange army. I did bow hunt. My dad was always a big bow hunter and I was 12 years old when I received my first like big boy bow that I could actually kill a deer with basically. And, and, uh, I was very, I was actually successful when I was 13, I think I was either 12 or 13. And, um, so yeah, I, I've, I've had the archery bug my whole life. It just kind of seems like you, you as well, but you know, what are some of your tra- like family traditions that, that you do back in Wisconsin? We never, so I don't think I had like the traditional Wisconsin hunting upbringing because a lot of it still is like they will close school for that opening week of gun season here. We have a 10 day gun season and I've learned to love it, but growing up, we never did it. Like we, we barely ever gun hunted. We didn't have any place to go. Like we hunted public property and nobody really gun hunted. Right. So we would spend, maybe this is another reason why I like October. Like we would go up and camp at a state campground with like my uncle, my, my grandfather, and like the whole families were up there, like wives, everything. Like, so they'd all be there. And I just, we always did it. And the group would be bigger some years and smaller in some other years. And like the stories, I wish I was around for some of the earlier stuff. Cause <laughs> my parents, like my dad tells stories and my uncle tells stories of like back in like the seventies and like going up there with, where there was nobody else that bow hunted during that time. And they'd be up there for like two weeks and, you know, they'd have some awesome stories. They've like, there's still like stories they talk about, about deer that were shot, you know, bad and like stunk cause they didn't find it till the next day or whatever. And they still talk about it. Like, and it's, you know, one of those things where, you know, it's always kind of, you put it on this pedestal of what it was because they talked so high about it. Yeah. So when you actually finally got to do it, I just remember being ridiculously excited and I didn't even get to hunt because the first couple of years that we were there, uh, in the state of Wisconsin at that time, you had to be 12 years old. Yep. Same here. Um, so we would, I would just go up and literally sit with my dad in the woods. And I mean, I would watch him hunt and, and, uh, I don't know, I don't think I ever actually saw him harvest a deer with in person, but I've seen a mist here, <laughs> which, which I, I remind him about sometimes, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, that was like what we did. Like we would, you know, we'd be take that, we, they would take us out of school. And I remember doing homework. We had a pop-up camper okay. that was nothing fancy by any means. And I remember doing homework, sitting there at the table during the day and, you know, having to keep up with my schoolwork and then going out with my dad at night and going out in the morning. Sometimes I'd go out in the morning most of the time I'd go out at night and we'd had, there's a little pond there and we'd fish and it just, it was awesome. I mean, it was great. It's some of the best memories that I have of my youth. And then probably, you know, my, my dad and his best friend went turkey hunting every year. Like when they first started, I think my, my dad and Dennis were like, that was like, we called him uncle Dennis. He was a family friend, but he was around all the time. So he, those two, I think, hunted the first ever turkey season in Wisconsin or like the first one after they reintroduced. So like early nineties, maybe, I don't know exactly when it was. So they started turkey hunting in Wisconsin, like right at the beginning. Okay. And so they got into it like hardcore, like hardcore. So they'd go up the week before they'd scout. You only have a week in Wisconsin to kill like to turkey hunt on your permit. So when they, when I got old enough, like I, 
didn't get to go with them until I was 12. So like, it wasn't one of those other kind of camping trips where you could go and everyone's there. It was like, no, this is like the guys are going up and having like a guy's weekend now. And my, I understand how important that is now, but at the time it was like, I was not happy. I was pissed. <laughs> I had to stay home. So I remember like that first year and I was 12 and got to go up with them and got to experience turkey hunting. Um, we did it every year. Yeah. So we would go up North and we rented, like we hunted at that same spot that we would deer hunt. But for one reason or another, we always rented a motel that time when we would go. And uh, it just, I mean, I, it's all the classic things that make you like it. Like, you know, you get out and we only hunted till noon. So that's the season closed at noon back then. Yep. So you'd go out and you'd hunt until noon. We'd chase birds around. It was great. The numbers were awesome. There was birds gobbling. And then we'd scout, take naps. And then like, you know, 12 year old my dad and his buddy go to the bar. So I get like <laughs> fistful as a quarters to go play darts and Pac-Man and as much Mountain Dew as I can drink. And you know, they were hanging out at the bar. Yeah. So like as a young guy that, you know, you're looking at that, like, man, this is awesome. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. So I did that for, you know, throughout my entire upbringing, basically all the way through high school. I think, I, yeah, I went to like, one homecoming the rest of them i missed because i was turkey hunting yeah america's best bowstrings has been manufacturing high quality custom bowstrings in the usa since 2006. america's best bowstring strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection and this has been the driving force behind the company innovative products for every archer out there go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com and a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code Antler Up and you will save $10 off your order. Yeah. So that's crazy, I, man. That's just where I put my priorities at that point in time was like turkey hunting was where I needed to be. It's so funny. So, if, it's so funny because I'm so positive that, I mean, we had very similar stories and upbringing like we my dad and I we would not necessarily go somewhere to stay I would stay at his house because of where we would you know go hunt and everything like that in the, in the mornings but man it's just so funny just to hear because I'm as you're saying these like memories are popping up of doing certain hunts with my dad and when I'm walking behind him and if I stepped on a stick like I'd get that oh, glare yeah. <laughs> like what, just, has it reversed for you yet because I remember like having that look too where like I would follow my dad and I'd step on a stick and he'd look back at me now I'm walking in front of him and I could hear him like dragging his feet and I like turn back and look at him like shut up <laughs> dude it's so funny because I'm the same exact way because I there were multiple times this year where like rifle season like you said earlier even I was like hey dad I'm, I'm gonna go down like for entry exit areas and I, I told him I'm like I'm going in this way like I know which way you're gonna go so I'm going down first <laughs> like uh, let, let yep. me get a head start because I know he's gonna be a little bit louder you know, and he, and he's totally fine. It's so funny. He'll be like, go ahead, Jared, go ahead. Just, yeah. uh, you know, go ahead. And I'm like, he's probably going to be sitting up here drinking coffee for a little oh, bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. it's so funny how that is. Because again, as a young kid, I remember just being so I'm like, man, what? I'm trying to be as quiet as I can. And, you know, and I'm getting the glare and all that stuff. And oh man, so it, I, I love it. Like, I mean, in growing up, like everything, if it was the same for you, like whatever my dad said was gospel. Yep. Like if he said it, I was like, take Done. it to the bank. And now I hear him like dragging my kids around in the woods, like, and they love just to walk the woods with, with my dad and my dad loves it too. And he's like pointing out stuff and he's, you know, Oh, that's a, you know, redheaded whistler. And I'm like, 
no, it's not. <laughs> you know, God, like, I, it's it's just fun to hear it, like how it, you know, how he says, and like my kids are the exact same way that I was when they're like hanging on every word that he says, which is great. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a it's one of those moments that you just that's why you like being an outdoorsman yeah. and being out in the woods, and those are experiences that you only experience if you get the chance to go out and run around the woods. Yeah, no doubt about it. Actually, that was one of like when I first started antler up uh, on the webpage, I wrote an article of, you know, hindsight's 2020 just because of my upbringing. I'd love now, you know what I mean? Now, right now in the seat, in the position that I'm in raising a daughter and with my, I'm so lucky. My (laughs) wife is really cool. Don't get me wrong. There's times where she drives me crazy with the whole hunting thing and how much she gets on my case about it sometimes. But uh, she's, she's very supportive with it, but I wrote this article because of growing up, I had what we just talked about, right? Like, and I enjoyed it. And then that whole young teenager where girls are important to me and, mm-hmm. you know, I was playing sports and doing things like I still loved the outdoors. Like, don't get me wrong. That was always still a huge part of me. That was a huge aspect of my life still during that time. But once college hit and I was playing baseball and doing certain things, it, it kind of took a, a back burner, right? And my relationship mm-hmm. with my dad kind of was a, a little bit strained and it was strained for other reasons as well. And man, I'll tell you what, like once, like I said earlier, once I got a job and I was able to slow things down a little bit, our relationship slowly started to get better. And then I, I missed the outdoors, right? I, I missed mm-hmm. those opportunities. And I was like, dad, let's, let's get back. <laughs> like I'm coming back in. Like, let's, let me join that, the club again and do all this stuff. And, you know, ever since then, it's been awesome and making more memories and man, hindsight's twenty twenty. So like all those times that I thought, you know, man, I, when I would even times where I would be in the woods and sitting and I'd be like, man, oh, I wish I was with my friends or I wish I was doing this. Like, man, that's what I needed back then. Right. As mm-hmm. a troubled young teenager, that is exactly mm-hmm. what I needed. And I just wish, I wish someone was able to like the relationship that I have with my dad, I wish he would have been able to smack me upside my head basically and, and been like, Jerry, relax, you know, and, and slowed yeah. it down for me because, but now I'm lucky enough. Now, like you said, I'm able to go hunting with him. I'm able to, to help him out. Like, it's funny cause doing this has, it's an educational based platform being a teacher. So I love the education side of things and talking yeah. and, and I'll, I'll bring to him tactics and things. I'm like, Hey, like you just said earlier about the entry and exit routes, that is something that I, I I've known, right. And like you said earlier, you know, there's things where it's a lot easier. And I told him, I said, why don't we park further down the road? Like that road's not that bad. It's a little bit longer for a walk for us. Yes. But, uh, there's a big deer that's we've had on camera, like with within the hundred yards of where we park, like, yeah, I know for damn sure dad, he's probably watching us go somewhere. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. You know there's no mean? doubt in my mind. So, right. No doubt in my mind. And so I, I told him, I said, I'm going to be coming up within the next month buy or rent let's go rent one of those shrub uh you know cutters from the hardware store or whatever and let's go make a new little parking spot where we can pull pull our trucks in he's like yeah yeah let's do it you know he's all for it right because i'm obviously i'll be the muscle man and and to do it and which is great but it's just so cool now where he'll listen to me and just exactly what you said earlier is you know, you, we hung on their words and which I still do. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there are times where I'm like, man, we should try this. And he's open to it, which is cool. You know? Yeah. No, that's cool. Oh man. Yeah. We've, I've gotten that too a little bit where he's uh, well, I mean, he's only ever, you know, hunted big woods, you know, and when like, to, like that's all we hunted. Like yep. we only hunted public property. And uh, I was probably like 
in that a sophomore in high school and my parents bought 40 40 acres up in um like black river falls area up in like west central wisconsin okay and that was a game changer so that changed like everything because the deer numbers are like ridiculous up there so you i mean you could sit for a week and not see any deer and now you go out on the property that they still own it they live there actually yeah so you go out on that property and you don't see 10 deer you're doing something wrong. Like there's <laughs> something wrong. Cause there's just that many deer. Yeah. It's actually to the point where we need to shoot more deer off of the property. Cause it's hurt. Our buck numbers up there aren't what they should be. And the caliber deer isn't what it should be. So, and I think we've gotten a little bit there cause it's like 40 acre piece. There's only so much you can do, but same thing. Like I've talked to him. I've got, you know, obviously some friends, the guys at domain food plots, Yep. like Mike's a good friend of mine. Mike's the man. And, Mike is awesome. So, you know, I've gotten dad convinced into putting some food plot in there and having some kind of different green for the deer to come to that's different from, you know, corn or soybeans that's up there. And so, but yeah, and he's open to it, you know, and he's more than willing to do it, gets excited about it, It gives him a project, you know? Yep. So. Oh man, that's awesome. So what are, what are you doing now? Like what does a typical, I mean, I guess maybe even outline in a, in a, cliff notes version that in certain pieces you could go dive deeper into if you would like to Josh is, you know, what is that typical outlook or a plan for you in a hunting year look like? Like you could start from, Hey, from now, I guess would make perfect sense because obviously you're maybe planning out of state hunts or you just said you, you were outsmarted for the sixth year in a row from this nice big buck and did not fill that tag. So maybe what are some things you're, you're planning for, the year just because I, I obviously now is a time when a lot of people are doing the out of state stuff, figuring out mm-hmm. points where they like to hunt, maybe getting a new bow. You know, what does a typical year timeline for Josh look like? If I had all the time in the world, I'd be spending on property improvement. <laughs> like I'd be out there all the time. Like right now, like, so we don't have snow where we're at currently. Okay. Um, and I, we went out shed hunting Sunday. And it got me already like the wheels turning. I'm like, I really want to get this spot filled out this year. Like last year I needed to put a food plot in here and never ended up doing that. So I'm already starting to kind of think about what I want to do. I need to be better about cutting some trails in this property too. It's such a thick piece. Like this one property that I hunt, it's awesome. It's a great property. It's really, really thick, but it's so hard to maneuver. And it's, I think you can almost funnel deer movement if you have like, there's a couple of like really small trails that I've made myself Mm -hmm. and it's just turned into highways. Like the deer use them constantly because it's the easiest way to get through this. The property was like select cut maybe six years ago and that opened up the canopy and there's a bunch of just, it's tons of great browse, tons of great cover. Like it's awesome bedding area. Like it's a phenomenal spot and it's in between two spots for feed. So it's like, it's really just a really good spot exit entry is not ideal. So like I'm thinking of different ways to get into the property. Like how can I get into the property? Cause I think that there's a lot of times if you're hunting a specific caliber of deer, like if you're trying to kill something that's three and a half years old or bigger or something that's even five years old or six years old, I think a lot of times those deer, if you're hanging in the same stand every year, year over year, they have you pegged just as much as you think you got them pegged. So I'll maneuver, I'll move stuff around. That's like one of the things I actually wrote an article for a, a while ago for, for Mike was just being aggressive and not being scared to move. Yeah. Like if you see like deer movement, like there's so many times I think people are like, man, I just hope he comes over to me. And like, how do I get him to come over here? Like 
just train your, you got to re wait. Just think about it differently. Don't like wait for them to come to you, go after it. If you have an opportunity, especially like during the rut, I, you know, one of the biggest deer I've ever killed, I saw chasing a doe on the totally opposite side of the property. And I knew I was in a good spot. Like the spot that I was in, I was like, man, that's a really good spot. But I got down, ripped the stand down, went right up there and literally hung right where I thought they came out. And that night I killed him coming back around. Oh, he was circling awesome. back in. Cause I know that he busted her out. At, like, I didn't know that at the time. And after I went and looked, it was bedding area was like everywhere. So like, there's a ton of, there's a little doe family that was bedded up in there. It was a doe and two fawns. And that was their, that was their little bedding area. So um, just, I think people tend to be a little overcautious from time to time. And I think it's especially in the right time of the year, if you're doing the things that you need to do about playing wind or whatever, you need to be aggressive. You need to go in and make a move on a deer. If you can make a deer, a move on a deer. So I'm just thinking about that right now, like on the pieces, like for whitetail properties, like the whitetail property that I have, I'm thinking about like, how do I maneuver in and out? Where's my, where are my tree stand locations going to be? Um, food plots. I'm starting to think about that. Like, how do I put a food plot in? I've, been reading and hearing a lot about water and I've got to get some kind of like a little pool pond, something going, um, that I'm going to try to do that too. So those are like on my checklist of things to do. Now I always have these great grandiose (laughs) plans and then it's always tough to get the time to do it, but you know, I'll get 70% of it done. I'm always like, it feels like scrambling. It'll come down to August and I'm like getting nervous about like, Oh my gosh, I didn't do this or didn't do that. So I start to try to plan out what I can do. I'm even starting to kind of think about turkeys. So, yep. you know, there's a couple areas because I hunt that same property for turkeys, try to try to sneak in and get close to where they need to be too. And yeah, so I'm thinking about that. Um, you know, traditionally, if you, if we've got an out of state hunt, obviously like most applications, I think April's about the latest. There's yeah. some that are private later, but you're putting your in your apps, making sure your applications are due, even if it's for preference points and putting in your preference points to just continue to bank those. What's on your agenda um, for, for next year? Any out of state or staying closer or over? To uh, well, I've got my, well, I should draw a Kansas tag. Okay. So I'm hopeful that I'll get that. Um, and then I'm also pretty sure I'm going to do an elk hunt too. Okay. So I'll so- have that in Colorado and then I would love to do, I do a North Dakota hunt almost every year. And last year it was just a blast. We had a great time. There's so many deer. It was fun. It was just everything you want to do, but I've got, I've got all these, I have all these other opportunities. It's hard to not do that hunt because it's ridiculous. It's just fun and it's not that expensive and it's easy to draw. And I've got friends that are local that love to do it. And they've been out there a couple of times, but if I get, if I get drawn in Kansas and I, get drawn and uh on my elk something's unfortunately got to give and that'll unfortunately probably be it and then otherwise it's you know i'll hunt wisconsin for whitetail and then possibly illinois so let me ask you this question about kansas because kansas i'm in the same boat i could draw and that is a, a plan hunt uh my like i said earlier in the podcast a friend tim uh, we have planned to do that mm-hmm. um you know obviously couple years ago it was you know people went and then for some reason it seemed like this past year it, you would look at other people's social media accounts other things like that and they're saying it was hammered right there's dumb right just how many people so does that draw you away from it does it take away that 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 like 
that lust for it, I guess you could kind of say, because that my feeling is I'm kind of hoping, well, if people get so turned off from it, from the, hearing so many people talk about it from last year, that maybe this year it won't be so bad, or maybe people will have that same thought process and still just go. I mean, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. I mean, I know that their applications were up like a ridiculous amount from year over year from last year, which is part of the reason I drew the year prior and shot an awesome buck yeah. down there. And I kind of was anticipating getting drawn again for next year. So I was kind of surprised and I didn't. So, you know, I was a little bitter, (laughs) Uh, but it's, you know, I'm kind of a newcomer to Kansas. I can't like say I claimed it like, Oh, I've been hunting there for 10 years. Like, you know, I've been, I've hunted there three times. I've, I've gone turkey hunting there a couple times more, but it, um, it's a magical place. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why, I mean, especially if you're like in Pennsylvania, like you, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's in parts of Wisconsin, there is some kind of fantasy land spots in Wisconsin where it's just ridiculous, but I don't get to hunt those. Um, Kansas is one of those things. And I've been pretty lucky to hunt some really cool properties out there, but it's been by far the most fun whitetail hunting I've ever had in my life. As far as like the rut activity, the amount of deer you're seeing, how open to calling they are. Like if you wanted to rattle and yeah. grunt, like how effective that is, like for where I'm at and where you're at, it's not all that effective. I don't, I bring my rattling horns, but I barely ever do it. <laughs> I might grunt once or twice if I can see a deer to try to draw them a little closer if I need to, but I don't do a heck of a lot of calling in most of the spots that I'm at around here just cause it's not that effective down there, man. It is a different world. Like yeah. you can get some, you can, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, and it's the terrain's different. It's a little bit more open. So I think you get to see more. It seems like you see more deer because you can see farther. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause yep. it's not as thick if you're hunting up in like the, you know, even if you're hunting the croplands around by me, if they're standing corn, you could have 20 deer around you. You just don't know it. Cause they're in the corn Right out there. You see them cause there's like literally, you know, not that much that keeps them in between. Like those little fingers, if you see those little draws and those little washouts, those arroyos or whatever, they're in them. Yeah. Oh man, I, that's exciting. Well, the other piece of me that's kind of also uh, a friend of mine uh, from Tethered, we both have three points in Iowa and we obviously the Iowa Deer Classic was this past weekend. And yeah. I got the text message when we were coming home from Pittsburgh. We took my daughter for her birthday, uh, kind of like a night getaway and everything. And He's, he's like, how many points do you have again? And I said, three. He goes, so do I. He goes, you want to try to pull a certain, you know, gave me a unit. I was like, man, I sure. Why not? Like, it, you know, worst case scenario, I, I don't. And it's another point for yeah. hopefully, you know, then I would leave four. And if I do, then I'll just have to make it work. Right. You know, it's yeah. one of those type of type of uh situations. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you on that. I am. I'm excited for a Kansas trip. I mean, Tim and I, when we were planning, I was thinking a kind of that right before Thanksgiving timeframe, mm-hmm. just because of school schedule for me. And I've heard some pretty good things about that timeframe. Like, yeah, you might see a bigger guy and he might be busted up, but I mean, that doesn't matter to me. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a picky coming from where, what I've killed in my life. I'm not picky with that type of stuff. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, mine, the one that I killed two years ago had a broken three okay. G three. And I'm sure, I mean, he was, but he was just broke off at the t- I don't care. Yeah. I mean, that was a mature deer all day. There was no re there was no, that deer wasn't getting out alive. Right. There was no way that was going to happen. So for me, I think that weekend you're spot on like that week, that week, of no, like 
typically that's been, I think I was down there that week that I killed too, was that Thanksgiving week. Cause yeah. I remember having to try to get home in time for the gun season that opened for Wisconsin. So that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty fun activity and it's, it's weather dependent. I mean, it can be warm down there. Obviously there's times where I've done been down there hunted when it's, you know, 80 degrees out, which is hard, oh, you know, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. But, um, it's a fun spot, man. I, it, it's hard for me to hate on anyone for applying there. Cause it's such a cool spot. And you know, I, they've been, it's been so accessible and yeah. for people that do out of state hunts and I don't know if you can, if you can afford to do it and you got like, you know, the opportunity to do it, I would by all means, if you're a deer hunter, go, especially if you live out in Pennsylvania, go check out, man. You don't even have to go that far. Like Ohio's right. on my list. Like yep. I want to go to Ohio, yep. New York, some, yep. New York. There's some big deer getting killed in Indiana. Yep. So, yep. I mean, there's like, there's all kinds of good opportunities out there. It's just, you got to, you know, get out and do it Yeah, and, and put expectations on yourself that are realistic. I mean, a lot of times the first time I go to a spot, I'm just, I'm long gaming it, you yep. know, I'm going to check it out and, I might come back to that spot. I might not, but you know, it's, you're always kind of just scouting, you yeah. know, and is this spot got potential for me to come back to and yeah. you get lucky. I mean, the spot that we found in North Dakota, I can't say we, I didn't find it, but my, one of my <laughs> very dear friends found it. And, uh, we've been, I've been going there for 20 years. Yeah. What about then? Like when you get everything going and obviously, you know, you figure out maybe where you're going to going to hunt What's the summer look like? Do you get a chance to go out and do more scouting? Do you believe in that type of stuff? I know I have friends that obviously still go out and scout in the summer, and I have other friends that would rather not because of the ticks and everything else, and, you know, it's it, you know a little bit more challenging, I guess. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to go out. Yeah. If I can get out, I'm going to do it. I mean, I it's within reason, right? I mean, if it's you know, 100 degrees out and, <laughs> you know, 70% humidity, I'm probably not going to be – you know, all that excited to get out there, but I'll still do it. Yeah. I mean, I get out there and, and look where I can find, cause I think especially for like early season in Wisconsin opens in September. Um, I think it's the third nice. Saturday, the third Saturday in September, um, which is really honestly some of your best time to actually kill the yep. deer you're looking to kill because they're patternable. So if you're out there and like trail cameras can tell you a lot, but they don't tell you everything. And like I'm guilty. I've fallen into the trap of trusting my trail cameras too much. Um, probably two years ago, um, even in a little bit last year, but I was way more aware of it, uh, last year than I was the year prior. Um, I just don't, I don't trust them completely. You know, I think that there's, there's been too many times where I know for a fact that, that there's a mature deer in that area and maybe it's walked around the trail camera or some reason it didn't trip it. And, you know, I'm sitting on my couch because I'm like, ah, oh, it's too warm or whatever, whatever excuse I came up with where I didn't <laughs> want to go out hunting and all oh, the trail cameras are quiet. So if the trail cameras are quiet, that must mean no deer moving. Yep. It's not the case. I mean, there's deer moving, especially if you get to that time of the year where it's like, you know, the rut and they're moving. But I would also say that for early season though. So if you're going out moving trail cameras around, which is what I do a lot, I'll move trail cameras. So I'll put them out, set them out there for a little while. There's some that I'll literally go out there turkey hunting and I'll let them soak all like all summer long. And then like usually the first, you know, there's a spot that TJ and I hunt a lot. We actually call it TJ's grocery store because he goes out there and (laughs) he loves to shoot deer like two miles back in some County. It's a, it's fun to get them out, but it's a cool spot. So I'll go back there and like hitting trail cameras during the turkey season 
And then I'll come out and, you know, that first hunt of the year, we'll grab them and, you know, check what the cards are to determine like, Hey, is this where we need to be? Is this worth spending another day out here hunting or, and move them around? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, if I can be out there doing something, I'm going to be out there doing something. It's low impact. You know, you, you're not going to hurt anything by going out there and moving around. You, you want to get some tree stands hung too and moving them around. You can do that too. I mean, it's a little bit hard because you don't, I'm a big brush guy. I like to, you know, be able to break up my I'm six, five, pretty big human. So I need, to, <laughs> I need to be able to break up my, my line of sight and stuff or their line of sight. But that's, you know, that's hard to do when you have no vegetation out, you know, you want to be able to do all that and get everything there. So, you know, that you got your shooting lanes established so that when the season actually does come in, you know, in early September, everything's green. Yeah. So you want to be able to, you can go out and get a shot off. So yeah, if I can be out, I will be out. I like the glass bean fields. I'm crazy about doing that. So I'll go out and, you know, when I can go out and look at bean fields specifically like up North, there's some spots, like I'll definitely be around here. I live in Southeastern Wisconsin. Okay. So I will take long ways home and, you know, do some other stuff just to, you know, get a chance to maybe see, you know, right at sun sunset to see if I can see any deer out in the bean fields. But, um, yeah, I mean, I do a fair amount. Like I'm always thinking about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I know, like I, I'm the same way I'll get out. I, it doesn't matter. I'll help my dad do certain things. And, you know, there's pieces, even if I don't get a chance to scout now, especially in the past, like I was saying earlier with now, hopefully with me having the time of in the spring to go out and actually scout more, I'll have opportunities where instead of like, Oh man, I've, I gotta go check out this new spot and it's July, right? That's not, mm-hmm. not so much uh, fun and be able to find a lot of fresh quote unquote past season signs. So I'm, I'm anxious for that. And, you know, and you talked about having your family. So I'm sure once the hunting season rolls around, man, it's, it's all full steam ahead for you. I, that was a, a, a new question. I never really asked that. So I was kind of, you know, going off for the tradition thing, like what kind of, you know, yearly plan of attack is it? And I mean, I, I guess you could kind of say you, that's a question that, Oh, what are you doing now? And how do you get ready and everything like that? But, you know, do you do any other like you said, being a, a big bow hunter and everything like that. Do you do 3d stuff in the summer with friends, yep. yeah, all that stuff? Yep. I'll shoot my bow a lot in the backyard. You know, it depends on what kind of hunt I have coming up. If I have to get more physically Stretch fit than what I am currently, <laughs> I'll, you know, keep the, the regimen up of running on the treadmill or, you know, putting some weight on your back and, you know, putting the incline on the treadmill up yep. to 14 and hammering away for a while just to get your endurance up a little bit or, you know, taking a pack and hiking, you know, just running around if you can. And I definitely shoot my bow. I mean, I shoot my bow. I try to shoot my bow as much as I can. If I can shoot it every day, um, I will. Um, I'm in a league that we do um, a 3D course and every, you know, it's just, it's, it's fun. It's competitive because my, me and my friends make it competitive. It's not, uh, there's no Levi Morgans there. Uh, so like we can, we go out there, we have a good time, you know, we shoot, but it's also great because it's all 3d target for the most part and you're shooting at animals. And I kind of fall into the trap of just shooting at a lot of targets or shooting at block targets a lot and white dot, white dot kind of thing. Yep. And I think it's important to, you know, shoot at 3d and shoot at the outline of an animal just because, it's going to help you. And then we transition into a platform league in August, which is kind of fun. Cause that's, you know, everything's more or less for bow hunting tree stand setups. And like the farthest shot I think is like 50 yards. If that, it might be like 48. 
um, and it's all elevated. So you're from a platform and you're, you know, ranging these different targets and stuff like that. So it really kind of gets you honed in most of my shooting. Like I even shoot in archer league Thursday nights. I try to, um, haven't been great about getting to too many of them this year, but it just keeps you sharp, you know, and I, you know, there's target bows and I, you know, I've shot those before in the past, but I go and shoot the five spot league with my hunting bow, because the reason why I'm doing any of this is to be a better bow hunter. So I, you know, I could, I don't really care about my target shooting. If I can go out there and shoot a 300, that's great. That is important to me. I like to be able to shoot well, but I want to be shooting well with the bow that I'm actually going to be hunting with and not some, you know, seven footer that throws arrows down there at a hundred feet per second. Yep. Oh man, that's good stuff. I, and it's, it's all true. And that's exactly, you know, why we've, we've done 3d leagues and why we try to shoot as much as possible. And it's, it's just so neat just to, man, I love just talking to people that are diehards, like how yeah. they think and believe and think the way I think basically, if that makes sense. So yeah. we'll do, man, yeah. what, what I know half rack, uh, kind of like a hard transition here, you know, kind of going <clears> from the talk and hunting and everything like that. And obviously there's a new product that's not released yet from half rack that I'm, I'm dying to get my hands on Josh. And that is going to be, and I'm, and I'm, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but I remember seeing a video from ATA with, with TJ doing it. It's going to be right back here and it's going to be able to hold my bow, that little peg. I cannot, you probably have it somewhere that, like on your wall I, right now. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait for that. Like you were saying earlier, just like little fine little pieces of gear that uh, kind of make, make, it doesn't matter if you're, like you said, the, the, the sick guy, the first light guy, or, and then the Walmart guy, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. that's where the pieces like that, man, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, and I love, you know, kind of keeping things nice and, um, uh, as you can see, I, I mean, I even got my, my, um, yeah. Rack hub R, yep. R1 up there, got my R1 there. And I just right back here is where I want to have that little, nice little new post that half rack's going to be coming out with. And you got a cool little meat locker coming out. So mm-hmm. yeah, some, some cool things coming down the pipeline from you guys. Yeah. The hunter's hanger is what you're talking about. Yeah, the so the one item, that thing is going to be fun. And, uh, if you're a gear nut, even if you're not, uh, it just, it's convenient, right? So I've got them in my office. I wish I could move my camera around to show yeah. you, but I, it's got my bow hanging on it. I've got guns hanging on them. I've got a camera hanging on it. I've got some in my um, in my workshop that have decoys. I've got hung up on it. All it is is like it's something for you to utilize. That you know, just it's a really clean, neat way to like put your bow on display or put your, you know, whatever you you can put rifles on it. You can put all kinds of stuff. So it's just one of those kind of duh, no brainers kind of thing. Cause yeah. most people like just, you know, put a screw in the wall and they, you know, hang their stuff up on it or whatever, but this is a lot it's more, a it's safer. It's a lot more sturdier than what you would do with just like a drywall screw. Uh, and it, it looks good. I mean, it's yeah. clean. We've got a couple different colors. We've got an orange one. We've got a green one. We've got a black one and a gray one. And uh, yeah. So early response on those has been yeah. pretty excited. And it's just like, it's a no brainer item. I mean, it's like one of those things where, you know, you don't really think about it, but how much stuff do you just hang on your wall? A lot, right? You yep. just got stuff that you just want to hang. So that'll be, that'll be fun. And that should be actually, those should be available. I don't know when you're launching this podcast, but like literally within weeks. Oh, nice. Well, so we'll have those up on the website. We're going to make a huge push on social. You'll see it everywhere. Like all of the influencers will have them and start using them and show a bunch of different 
applications for it. And it's uh it's an item that we're we're pretty excited about because it's just I mean, everyone can use it. I mean, even if you need like you need to put like your, you know, your extension cords hung up in your garage or something, you can <laughs> yeah. use yeah. it for that. So yeah. it's just uh it's one of those items that I think everyone has a need for. And uh you mentioned the meat lug, which is one of the items that I'm pretty excited for. We we've gone through testing on that thing for a while. Um we really wanted to make a better cooler specifically for guys that are trapped. We were just talking about like out of state hunts and stuff. Um, and we fit, we felt multiple, but in the prototype, one of the prototypes, we were able to fit like a full size deboned deer in it. Awesome. So yeah, we'll have a couple different sizes. So, I mean, it just packs down really nice. So when you're traveling too, it's not going to take up a huge amount of space. Uh, it's 100% waterproof. So, I mean, I literally tested it, brought on a couple flights, and uh you know get some looks in the airport people are going to be like is there meat because it's got branding all over it says meat lug <laughs> uh so actually when we were testing it the first time i had the uh the stewardess or flight attendant i guess um take a picture of me putting it over in the overhang she's like is there meat in there i'm like not right now but yeah, there will be hopefully will be. sooner than later That's but awesome. uh yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things that kind of answers the question. I mean, if you're in the fishing, if you're, you know, small game, if you're yeah. in the, you know, anything, it's just something for you. Uh, the quality of the products outstanding. It's like, literally we over-engineered it. It's the, as far as a soft sided cooler goes, it is the best soft sided cooler. And I've got a bunch, yep. I've got a ton of them. It is the best one I've ever used. And the part that I like about it is we're going to, we're, I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to retail it for like 150 bucks. Nice. Yep. yep. Which is I mean, that's, that's just a game changer. Again, like the same thing. We want it to be accessible for everyone. If everyone's, you know, even if you're not even out of state hunter, if you go up like for guys where I live, a lot of us go up North. Yep. So it's a four or five hour car ride. You know, you need to have something, if you can debone it, put it in a cooler that doesn't take up a bunch of space or some ice in there and you're good to go. Brining turkeys. There's all kinds of uses for it. Yeah. So pretty excited about that one. Sweet, man. That's awesome, dude. Well, I mean, Josh, anything else you want to talk about before you kind of, I think we covered a bunch, man. This was a hell yeah, of a fun conversation. Well, Josh, where could people check out Half Rack, check out and see what else you guys got going on? Yeah, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. I think we even got a TikTok now. Um, I, <laughs> I'm i not the one that runs that. but uh, <laughs> So, yeah, we're on all the social platforms. You can check us out at uh, half-rack.com as well. Um, we're pretty active on there. You can sign up for our newsletter. We'll send you notification on new products that are coming out. And we're in probably over 150 different retailers now too. So, um, you'll see us, we really try to commit to, to, uh, dealers. So we'd like to work with the archery dealers and the mom pa type stores if yep. we can. And, um, so yeah, if you, you know, there's a lot of choices out there and, you know, I, we appreciate everybody that's out there buying our stuff right now. We really, truly do appreciate it. And, we're honored to have that business and hopefully we can earn more of it. Heck yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you, Josh coming on. Definitely go check out half rack. Like I said, I've pretty much have every piece of uh, gear that you could have from them. And whether it be from a gunsling to, to the screw in bow hanger to the, the orange vest for my daughter and myself, it, it doesn't matter. Go check it out. It's affordable. It's great quality and, and definitely get, check out half rack for that. And Josh, thank you for coming on, man. And uh, yeah, you know, everybody, thanks again for tuning in this week. We'll see you next week. Till next time, Antler up.